And all of that kind of led to, you know, what started out as a uh, lifelong learning exercise, uh, great friendship, and, and you know, progressed over time. Uh, he's He's been a part of, of my uh, career from that time forward and and to to lose him so young is 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 hard it's hard but um you know the times that we had were great and and we did a lot of things i think that you know his leadership in the industry will be recognized for for many 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 years to come and generations to come it's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Zinpro, Essential Trace Minerals, Exceptional Performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Swine management to the next level cloudfarms.com This episode's sponsored highlight is about Evonik Animal Nutrition. Evonik stands for a holistic and sustainable value proposition for livestock production. It combines products and services and leverages digital solutions. This is all backed with high-value consultancy and deep customer understanding. Evonik turns science-based efficient nutrition, sustainable healthy nutrition, and precision livestock farming into value for customers and consumers. Hello, everyone. I'm your host for today's Swine It podcast. I'm Laura Greiner, and I want to welcome Dr. Steve Moeller to our podcast today. Dr. Steve Moeller is um, the National Program Leader for Food Animal Production at the USDA. Hi, Steve. How are you today? Hi, Laura. I'm really good. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to be here and uh, have the opportunity to talk about a great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Well, we're certainly happy to have you on, maybe not in the way that we had all hoped, but today is going to be a very special podcast for our listeners. Uh, we are going to dedicate this podcast to the life and the accomplishments of Dr. Ken Stalder. Uh, for some of you who may not be as familiar with Dr. Ken Stalder, He was very passionate about the swine industry. He was both a national and international leader in swine genetics, and more importantly, was very involved in uh, working with guilt development structure and working towards improving sow longevity. Uh, For those of us who knew Ken well, there's definitely a hole in our hearts as he left us quite suddenly at the end of October. Uh, Not only do we miss his passion for the swine agriculture, as well as just the passion for developing the future leaders through the graduates and undergraduate students. But more importantly, we miss some of his infectious laughs and his jokes and his kind-heartedness that surrounded so many of us. Um, Today, we've asked Steve Moeller to be on today because Steve knew Dr. Stalder quite well. And so again, Steve, we wanna thank you for your time today to talk about Ken. And I think maybe we'll just start there is, is, you know, what do you, want to share about how you knew Ken, you know, how you got to know him over the years, and then we'll talk a bit about Ken's accomplishments. Uh, definitely happy to, happy to do so. And, and uh, you, I echo the words that, that you just offered. Uh, there were so many things that 
I remember and, and was sitting here this morning, in fact, thinking I need some information. I need to call Ken, but Ken's not there. And uh, that's hard. That's hard. But to give you a little background, I met Ken back in the early 1990s as a graduate student at Iowa State. We both worked under Dr. Lauren Christian, who was our mentor. And, and there was a, a whole host of us there at Iowa State at that time that you know, had the fortune of working in swine genetics and being actively engaged in a number of projects, including things like the National Bear Show progeny test and completing work on the terminal salary evaluation program and teaching class for uh, undergrads, stepping in anyway and taking over that role. So I really got to know Ken well as we finished our PhDs. And over that time, I remember the times when uh, I was newly married and within, you know, that time frame of finishing, we had a, uh, our first daughter and she came into Kildy Hall and we'd have Ken take over in the morning sometimes while I was in class or vice versa. And so my daughter, Olivia has some experience. She probably doesn't obviously remember, but Ken was an integral part and in, along with Cheryl and, and such as they started their family. So you know, as as I think about it, and 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 finished up in in '94 there, and went on to work with the Ohio State University in a faculty role. Ken was coming out right behind me, and and he took a role at uh, University of Tennessee Martin, and we were both uh, at that point in time heavily engaged in extension and worked uh, hand in hand with our state and of course, National Pork Producers Council slash National Pork Board at that point on on various things. Uh, you know, we developed curriculum uh, for, for different production aspects. We worked of course with the PQA program and uh, took that program out to our constituents and, and and from the genetics side, we were also very active in the National Swine Improvement Federation. And uh, he and I were a part of the board of directors over the, the course of years in different roles and, and did some work with ultrasound over time. And, and all of that kind of led to, you know, what started out as a uh, lifelong learning exercise, uh, great friendship, and and you know progressed over time. Uh, he's he's been a part of of my uh, career from that time forward, and and to to lose him so young is 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 hard. It's hard, but um, you know the times that we had were great, and and we did a lot of things. I think that. You know, his leadership in the industry will be recognized for, for many, many, many years to come and generations to come. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, over the over the course of, of our careers, uh, we actually at times competed for the same jobs. When he went to Iowa State University, I also had my name in that hat and uh, uh never any any concern over who might be the candidate per se because we continued to to work together it wasn't a, a competition it was how do you help each other and and he's been a tremendous help to me over the years from his practical knowledge and and statistical knowledge and and as i've uh, said to, to many he you know he's a he's one of the good guys and uh he'll be truly missed by by so many 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit about Ken's personality and and the personal impact he had on others. But I think first I want to talk a little bit more about some of his accomplishments that, that we're most familiar with in the swine industry. And, and you alluded to a little bit there, Steve, of, of some of the activities you both did together. Um, but as you think about Ken and you think about his career, what are what are two or three things that that you think that he researched, he created, that you think has left its legacy or its impact on the swine industry today? A uh, very good question, and and one where you could probably go many different directions, but all of them focused, I think, primarily around the sow and and the developing and development of uh, that breeding female. You know, when you go back to the the work on net present value, and and the impact of uh, maintaining that female in the herd and looking at longevity from various you know angles and aspects and factors that contribute to it i think he was a leader in that in that uh, realm and and i i think we went through some times in the industry where we knew uh culling rates death rates were too high mm -hmm. and and you know as as we think about ways to address that Ken was a leader in in doing the research, and, and I would also say contributing to the solution through things like uh, the work with National Hog Farmer, where they looked at, you know, the different pictures and then the poster development that was uh, a, an outcome. And, and we, of course, had many, many partners of over the years in those areas, and Ken took advantage of that. He, he worked with the industry. Uh, he worked with the National Pork Board. He worked with breed organizations uh, to develop those tools that are used around the world. And I, I made a comment uh, to some people there at his services that, you know, I can still to this day go into barns uh, within the U.S. for certain. And, and I've been in barns around the world where those posters are on the wall. Uh, and they've been there for a long time and they have the standard fly manure on them and all those things, you know, that we all see, but they're, but they're used. And if nothing else, you know, whether it was feet and legs or underlying soundness or some of the defects we find in, in composition, uh, uh, confirmation, I should say, you know, those are things that, that stay with you. And you were from the little handbook to the posters, all of those have been, uh, actively, actively used by an industry around the world. In addition to that, you know, the, the, the areas where he's really had an impact, I think are, are the abilities to, the abilities to go out there and, and be an excellent thinker. One of the things that, that you would find in, in kind of an idiosyncrasy, you know, we'd sit in a meeting, Ken and I'd be usually sitting next to each other and he'd be writing notes and he'd pass them over and we'd do a little check back and forth. Cause one, he was very congenial and never wanted to interrupt, but two, he's like, what do you think of that? What about this? You know, and we're kind of really like old school passing notes, I guess you'd say. And, and, People would say, ah, he's not paying attention because sometimes he's doodling and, and he really had some pretty cool doodles over the years. I can say that. But, you know, uh, if if something came up and it piqued his interest, he was right there mm -hmm. and he's asking the question. He asked the tough questions, but he did it in a manner that, 
you know, wasn't defensive. He did it in, a, in an inquisitive and in how do we learn from this manner? And how do we take this back to the to the producer and, and make it have an impact? Uh, so I think that was a genuine talent and, and quality that I truly feel was demonstrated in his research. It was demonstrated in his outreach. And and uh, while I didn't get a chance to to witness him teaching students at at the undergrad level, I can sure see it in in the work he's done with his graduate students and out there in the uh, producer audience. Mm-hmm. Tremendous impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, not that long ago, I was doing some guilt development work, and and I too ran across my flip pages of of guilt structure and and of course the poster and. Um, even the other day, I was doing some discussions around how do we adjust for conception rates in the barn to make targets and found an Excel sheet that that Ken is a part of the creators of, um, along with a couple of other individuals. And it, those are older spreadsheets, but they're still extremely useful and very valuable um, for both you know, small producers or, or even for class demonstrations to get people to think about the total impact. And yeah. Um, it wasn't uncommon to sit in those offices with Ken and have those conversations around guilt development and what what should a guilt developer look like and what are we doing wrong and what do we need to change and and how do we move forward from here and so I would agree I think that was something that was part of Ken it was just integral every time you'd you'd walk next to him he'd be like hey I'm thinking about this or hey you know, this is over here and we should really do something about it or, you know, let's go out and get some more data on this. And um, he was always thinking, always a forward thinker. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you kind of remind me there of some of the, you know, the, the old software programs that were a part of, of Iowa State's, uh, I guess you would say origin and, and, and on floppy disks, in fact, and then, you know, on by golly, uh, we finally moved to modern computers, right? And uh, he kept those up to date. And I suspect they're still around. Mm-hmm. I suspect that that there's application. And and uh, I'm hoping, you know, as I think back, that you know, those are things that can be used on the farm. They're they're inexpensive yet quite valuable. And he he had a knack for having having the time to dedicate. On, and focus on those so that they, you know, what generally through a good graduate student, mm-hmm. how do you make this work for the producer? Mm-hmm. So very good to, to think about those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you also talked on one of the other things that, that I always found interesting when I was visiting with Ken was really around student development. How do we prepare our next generation of leaders and what does that look like? And what are the skills they need to know? And, and Ken was very passionate about communication skills. Um, at least talking to him about his 425, his, his senior swine class, he spent a large amount of time talking to the students about how do you manage people, how do you work with people, um, and how do you talk to them in, in a way that they understand. And um, you know, I think that's a piece that again. Many of us are focused on the pig and, and rightfully so, but you know, Ken also saw the other side of that and said, hey, you know, we need to make sure that our, our students are well aware of how to communicate appropriately. Um, so that was something that always stood out to me as well. Uh, you make a good point there. And, and you know, from the, from the undergrad 
in transitioning to the graduate students, I will also say that when you look back on the students that he has influenced uh, directly and indirectly through being on committees and such, you know, they, they're very well-spoken individuals. And that was, that was a kind of a, a teaching moment for Ken. And he used it that way. I mean, he, he let them experience things and, and, and go to places and engage with individuals that other groups may not have done in their training. And, and I think that opened them up to really cool opportunities that are, you know, out there today, they're leading a lot of our industry uh, efforts uh, through both academia and uh, industry engagement. So mm -hmm. uh, that's another legacy that I think is, is, is critical. Um, you know, you, if you come out of Ken's program, the other thing I can appreciate is you knew your statistics and, <laughs> uh, and, and by golly, you know, you were going to be able to explain them. So uh, not every, not every, individuals uh have that talent but he did to to ingrain in the young people the importance of understanding uh applicability and and doing things you know the right way uh I'll, I'll use that term not that we all don't try but he did a really good job of making sure that his his graduate students uh understood the importance of that in their work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and I don't think there was a graduate committee that he didn't serve on where he didn't recommend getting a, a minor in statistics in whatever program you were studying under because he felt it was extremely valuable. Absolutely. To understand. Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm, for sure. That actually brings me to, to a point, Steve, that I, I think is important as you, you mentioned the word a couple of times now, legacy. And, and I think that's really what we are talking about today is Ken's legacy. And one of the conversations that, that Ken and I had before his passing was really focused around that next generation of graduate student. What should that look like? And, and are we missing an opportunity to train them in a new skill set? And um, his new passion or his, his passion more recently has been around large data and data management and creating individuals that can handle data coming in from different locations and creating sense of it and helping guide production companies or decision makers um, and also maybe trying to make efficiency out of the labor needs that we have and and i think that's really important right that vision and that that insight going forward and i don't know if you ever had any conversations like that recently about some of his vision but i think it's important to share with the the listeners you know where ken was was looking for the industry to go you make a good point there, Laura, in that when we've talked about it, it, it comes down to we're in an information age. We can access things in forms and analyze in platforms that we've really never uh, fully utilized. I'll put it that way. I mean, there are there are parts of our our world that are obviously more advanced, but it's it is time as we talked about it to go to that next level and, and bioinformatics uh, and, and apply machine learning, apply artificial intelligence, because some of this data that we have sitting out there served its quote unquote purpose, right, for a manuscript or a, et cetera. But but how do you integrate it? How do you take it to the next level? And and I can tell you that in my current role, um, 
we have we have the same uh, discussions within ARS. How do we find individuals trained well enough to understand the biological system, the animal, mm-hmm. and apply the large data to get usable answers? And and it that's a unique combination. Um, and I'll say it because I think one of Ken's strengths was he grew up on a farm, mm-hmm. and and he he understood the the challenges that come with a day-to-day farm operation. And, and I'll be honest with you, he overcame them, right? Like many of us, unfortunately, we've, if you lived through the eighties and, and understood the farm crisis, you understand where some of us get our, uh, our uh, upbringing and, and experience that still today leads us down a path that we think is pretty important for our young people to understand. And Ken was one of those. We talked a lot about that over the years, but it is it is recognition, as as I think you say, that we have capabilities that can go further. And I think he had a desire uh, to kind of work on an initiative there at Iowa State. I don't know how far it, it got personally, but I know we've talked about where he wanted to go. And I think hopefully, you know, there'll be individuals that, that follow up, and hopefully some of his own uh, graduate students and such as they come into uh, – these next roles in their lives that can take some of that effort forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. One of the other things that as we sit here and, and think about Ken and we talk about his successes in life, it it brings me back to a question that we always ask our guest speakers on these podcasts is if you can envision someone in your life who you think is successful, what are some key traits about them that's allowed them to be successful and um, you know, I've heard words that describe Ken as, you know, approachable and a listener and somebody who cares and somebody who's questioning and curious. And those are all things that have come up in our podcasts uh, from people who define individuals as successful. And I think that that says a lot about, as you mentioned early on, it's just who he was. Um, but it is, it's just interesting to me that so many of those traits that we've talked about in the past have come up when we discuss Ken and that he possessed many of those traits. And, and here we are today honoring, you know, the impact that he's had on the industry. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I can, I can echo all of those words that you've used. Um, I, I think a humble is a word that I would use to describe Ken, um, and and he he never looked for the uh, the accolades. He he kind of sat in the in the back and 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 let a lot of his his value show through his students, uh, show through his colleagues. And I, and I think that that was again who he was. Um, and, and you know, from my personal interaction with him, there were times when he's like. Well, you know, you do it for the greater good and, and, you know, but, but I'm sure glad he was recognized as a fellow by ASAS and, and has been recognized by NSIF and various other, you know, groups in the, in the time. And I'm sure, you know, I can't project forward, but uh, there's no doubt in my mind that as Ken would have entered, you know, the next five years or 10 years of his career that, 
those accomplishments would be recognized uh, further into the future, no doubt about it, personal and, and you know, industry impacts. Um, they're already there, uh, though I'm just hopeful that someone could carry them on. And, mm-hmm. and we're, we lost a good one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. You bring up some great points because you are right. Ken was always the the quiet one in the group in some ways, right? Not not always in others, but at least as far as receiving his accolades, he was always very quiet and just really wanted to be a part, you know, part of something to make a difference yeah. is generally how I view Ken is, is just somebody who just was willing to do what needed to be done for the Absolutely. Group, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, you know, there was a side of Ken that that was a bit fiery and, and, uh, you know, but it was passion coming out. It wasn't, it wasn't conflict. It was passion. It's, it's, you know, by golly, this is something we need to address and we're going to take it on and, mm-hmm. and be strong about what we are, our convictions. Uh, so mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think you brought up that I think is, is something that's important for people listening is, is that thoughtfulness that we communicate about Ken. It's not just being thoughtful about the project at hand or, or the issue at hand, but in those conversations I've had with him, it's, it's the whole process, right? It's the whole, well, what impact does this have? Not just on the animal, not just on the economics, which Ken was really good at, but also the people, right? And so people for Ken was something that that was almost priority number one, at least a lot of times when we talked. And I, th- I think that's something that I think is important for people to think about is every challenge that we have and every decision we make not only matters to the animal and to the business, but it matters to the people. And, and that was something that Ken really talked a lot about, at least to me. You know, and I would call Ken and, and speak and we, you know, it, sometimes it'd be frequent, sometimes it'd be less frequent. Uh, it all depend on, you know, what came up and, and what topic we were focused on, whether it was a joint project or just bouncing ideas. He talked always about family first and family last. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was our way. And then in the middle, we talked about, you know, the quote business and the business was, was exactly as you say, um, yeah, we have we have an industry that really relies heavily on the the personnel investment, and and the best laid plans can go awry when you don't have the, the personnel side. You know, the best pigs, the best facilities, whatever. But you still have to have the the people who are dedicated to that industry and and need to to learn it so there's a learning curve and there's a learning experience that we need to make right right so that they're doing the right things on our farm every day mm-hmm. and uh, he recognized that he, and it was part of it was part of his approach if you listen to him talk mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't just data it wasn't just the outcomes it was how is it going to influence the system Mm-hmm. And that system was was holistically uh, evaluated and, and viewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I don't think there was a conversation that went by that we didn't talk family first and family last, and everywhere in the middle was was the the research. But yep. you know, everything on the other side was always the connection with people, and I think that's again a part of Ken that that made him successful made him you know the person that he was but also the reason why so many of us feel lost at this moment is because he was that person you could just 
go to and talk to about research or really anything. Right? Yeah. 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 Yep. yep. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Eastman Animal Nutrition. Visit EASTMAN.com. Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. Genesis, the first power in genetics. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high, healthy, registered purebred swine on the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to Genesis.com. That's G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. Well, um, Steve, as we wrap up our time today, are there any last thoughts or final comments that you would like to make in, in honor of Ken's memory? You know, one of the comments that I do want to make is that our, our major professor, Lauren Christian, would always, we'd have lots of discussions, very similar in, in some ways to, to Ken, because we talk pigs all the time. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, the question was, but, but are the hogs any better? And, and, and I remember that many, many, many times. And I, and I've said this at his services as well, that, you know, I can be assured that from Ken's work, the hogs are indeed better. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I say that, I mean, the industry is better and, and the people who are in the industry and the pigs themselves are better. And, and that was one of his, uh, one of his goals, one of his passions. And, and, you know, I, I'm, um, I miss and think about it every day, you know, what we've done and, and, and what he's accomplished. And, and I'm fortunate uh, for those who don't know, my daughter is, was working under Ken on her PhD. And, and uh, that's another uh, connection that really opened me up to, to understanding and, and appreciating Ken, but also just the, the impact that he's had on young people, including my daughter. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, a, it is a big loss and, and we'll continue to move forward thinking about his uh, lessons as we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great, great ending comment. The thought about are the pigs any better? And and using that question to drive forward as, as we do move forward and, and we honor Ken and we think about what legacy he brings to the industry and, and how we choose to remember him in the future by carrying on some of the work that he has started. And so again, I, I do want to thank you, Steve, for your time today. And um, obviously, we, we certainly thank Ken for all of the work that he's done over the years, not just in the professional world, but also in our own personal lives. And so absolutely, we thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much as well, Laura. I appreciate it. And all your colleagues there at Iowa State, uh, we'll we'll, uh, keep moving forward. Ken will want us to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Have a great day. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, 
you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.